Hello and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fan. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fan. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Amen. Truly, he is a good, good father. I'd like for us to begin our time together this evening in a moment of prayer. Would you bow your head and your heart with me for just a moment? I want to ask you as we bow our heads together, how many of you got a nap today? Slip your hand out. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. I was saying this a moment ago to Scott. I said, you know, uh, you look around the room tonight. It's the night before Memorial Day, and it would have been real easy for you to get involved in something out in your yard or out on the water, and you made the decision to come. I said, if, if you go to war, this is a group you want to be with. Amen. Uh, committed and wanting to be here. And I'm not saying, I'm not talking negative about those that couldn't be here tonight, but I'm thankful that you made the decision to be here. Let's just go before the Father for just a moment and ask him to meet with us, that this time would be blessed of God. And you know, our time will be blessed of God if he'll meet with us. But you know, he promised that he would. He said, where two or more gathered, there I'll be in the midst of them. So that means not only inside of every believer, but in the midst, in the center of where believers are gathered. So let's, let's just take a moment and say, thank you, Lord, for your spirit being with us here tonight. God, we love you, and we thank you for the opportunity to gather. And we pray that tonight our faith would be strengthened. Uh, God, that we would be encouraged to continue following Jesus all the way to the finish line. We thank you tonight for, again, the men and women who lost their lives, who gave their lives. Better way to say it, Lord, to gave their lives, defending our freedoms. I pray that tomorrow as we spend time, you know, doing whatever, barbecue, spending time with family, that we would pause and uh, we would thank you for those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. And, Father, we just ask you tonight to be with us. We need you. We pray we'd be transformed by you, and we'd leave here more in love with you than we were when we came in. So, Lord, would you mend and heal and set free as only you can. Uh, Tonight, thank you. Lord, thank you for who you are. Uh, Would somebody out there thank God this evening? Just Just take a minute and just say thank you. I don't know, maybe for the shoes on your feet. When's the last time you thanked him for the shoes on your feet? and the clothes on your body, and the vehicle that got you here, and the person that's with you, or if you came by yourself, the people around you. Thank him tonight for the blood, the precious blood of Jesus that has the power to cleanse us from sin. Thank him tonight for the power of the resurrection that has revived us who put our hope and trust in Jesus, made us alive on the inside. Though our body may die, we, our soul, never will. So, Lord, tonight we bless you and we praise you. Please, again, meet with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Carry the bird. 
Someone asked me earlier today, a pastor friend of mine said, man, y'all gathering tonight? I said, yes, we are. And he said, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and I said, nothing. We're going to gather and grow. I don't know about you, but I think time's of the essence. And any day now, I believe the Lord Jesus is going to return. And we don't have time to shrink back, do we? We don't have time to shrink back and take a break from the faith. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. If you have your Bible, join me, if you will, in Second Peter chapter number one, and where we left off. And he said, wait a minute, we were in John this morning. Yeah, but Wednesday night we left off. And you notice kind of we've been Wednesday night in Second Peter a little bit and uh, walking through it just a little at a time. We've gone through about verses 2 through about verse 11 so far. And uh, so today we're going to pick up, and tonight rather, we're going to pick up in verse number 12. And we're going to cover 12, 13, 14, and 15. Can you believe that? Uh, all of those verses. After the preacher preached so short this morning, I feel like we need to double up or something tonight, you know. 
And uh, I'm thankful that you're here, and I'm glad that God's got a word for me and you. I want you to, for just a minute, uh, consider the scene from this morning. All right, can you think back to before your nap? <clears throat> you remember what happened as Jesus went to the failures? Remember, it wasn't just Peter who had failed Jesus. It wasn't just Peter who said, uh, we will follow you to the end. Remember, when Peter said it, they all agreed. And so they, they all publicly failed, and they all scattered when Jesus was arrested. And so he went to where they were, remember, on the Sea of Galilee, and he goes and cooks breakfast for them. Do you remember the scene? He says to them in John 21, children, you remember him on the bank? And he says, children, do you have any food? And they say, one, one word, no. <laughs> I detect a little tone in there, and I know you can't read tone in the text, right? But I just believe they're like, no, we fished all night, we ain't caught anything. And he said, cast the note on the right side. They do that, and they catch all the fish. 153, I believe, was the number. The net's not broken. They bring it to the shore. Uh, they figure out it's Jesus. Peter puts his coat on, swims to the bank. They row the boat as fast as they can to get over to where he is, and Jesus has a little fish cooked. And he tells them, bring a little of the fish you've got, and they bring it, and he cooks the rest of the fish. But he doesn't just cook the fish for the failures. And I, I hope you understand when I'm calling them failures. I'm not poking fun. I just want to remind you that he came to them. And that in times in our life when we fail, he comes to us. Aren't, aren't you thankful? He comes to us. And <clears throat> so he cooked them breakfast. But not only did he cook the breakfast, it says that he gave them the fish, broke the bread, and gave them the fish. So he served them even after they failed him. Now, he served them the night before he died, at the, the Passover meal, but he also served them after they failed him publicly and scattered. Now, he served them breakfast, and then he gets Peter to the side. Remember, he does the love ladder. Y'all tracking with me? You love me, agapeo, remember, agape? And then he says, no, I love you, phileo. And they go back and forth, and finally Jesus comes down to phileo and says, do you phileo, do you love me this way? And Peter says, you know all things. You, you know the answer before I ever asked you. And he said to him, feed my sheep and tend my lambs, meaning our failures do not disqualify us from the mission that he's called us to. Aren't you glad of that? And by the way, the theme for this year for us is live the mission. <clears throat> and so Jesus restores him. And then, and then in case there's a, a, some misunderstanding, Jesus deals with the pink elephant in the room, right? He just goes right ahead and begins to talk with Peter like we looked at this morning. And as we talked about what happened at the end of that, um, Jesus said to him, he promised him something in verse number 18. Do you remember? Uh, the wonderful promise that Jesus made to Peter on the Sea of Galilee. Do you remember what it was in verse 18? They're going to crucify you. Here's your promise. Here's your guarantee. Here's the one thing that is definitely going to happen. They're going to crucify you because of your faith in me. And then, and then he followed that up with two words. Follow me. <laughs> who could be so bold as to say that? The one who did it. The one who was crucified. The one who gave his life for the sins of all of mankind. The one who, only one who was innocent and paid the price for all of our guilt. And so because of that, this wonderful conversation back and forth, now we see a man some 40 years later writing his last letter, most believe imprisoned. And so you can just imagine under Nero's persecution, you can just imagine that uh, Peter has seen some things. He's been through some things. He's been through some difficult moments and times. You'd agree with that statement physically, emotionally? Uh, he's been through all kinds of stuff because he won't shut up about this Jesus. He went from chicken little Peter to bold lion Peter, and has gotten him into trouble. And now he finds himself incarcerated, just about to die. And he's written this last letter uh, just before his demise here on the earth. And I just want to kind of focus on these few verses, if we can, uh, tonight. You remember in the first part, here's kind of review. Look back with me if you were here in Second Peter chapter 1. We saw first, uh, we looked at a couple of Wednesday nights ago, grace and peace are multiplied to us, how? In the knowledge of God. 
And he's reminding them that grace and peace and relationship comes from God, and it's through knowing God, gnosko, knowing God by experience. You remember. And then we talked about the fact that in the precious promises of God have been provided for us all that's needed for zoe, which is abundant eternal life, and godliness. God's provided that for me and you. Then just after that, he talked about our response to God's amazing grace. We looked at that last Wednesday night. And the fact that we're to add to our faith. Y'all tracking with me? Have I put you to sleep already? Uh, Stir it up a little bit, all right? Now, Now, track with me. So here's what he says. Add to your faith, and he lists out some things that are our responsibility to work towards, not to earn our salvation, but because of our salvation. Y'all still with me? Can I get a head nod, a smile, a blink? I don't know if you're asleep or awake. The way the lights shine down on your head, I can't tell if your eyes are awake or not, and you're frozen still, all right? So I need you to do something every once in a while, all right? So now what he's going to do here is talk a little bit about the fact that he's about to leave. Not go on a trip, but he's about to, his tent's about to, back, to go back to the dirt, and his, his soul's about to go home. And so we're going to look at that now. You see how we went wide lens? And now we, we, we're going to go narrow. And here's, the, here's what's interesting to me. We're going to look at where Peter references what Jesus said to him on the sea of Galilee. Isn't that beautiful how God puts messages together? So I want to invite you now that you've gotten good and comfortable to stand to your feet, do 10 side straddle hops. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. All right, let's read. Some of you are like, I'm gone. I'm out of here. I'm done. <clears throat> All right, verse number 12, 2 Peter chapter 1. For this reason... I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right. As long as I'm in this, help me somebody, as long as I'm in this tent to stir up, stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent. Just as our Lord Jesus Christ, oh, showed me. Where did he show him? See, Galilee, when did he do it? On that faithful morning when he said, you're going to be crucified. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, prepare your heart, get you ready. You're going to be crucified. Just like the Lord showed me. Sounds like a different guy. Remember, remember his response to verse number 18 in, in John 21? Remember his response. The first thing we hear coming out of Peter's mouth, you remember what it was? What about John, right? What, what about that man? And so little different maturity level. I want you to notice something. The progression of the Christian life. It is a progressive relationship. We mature in our faith as we walk with him and draw near to him. Have you noticed? You see that? Listen to to the confidence. Knowing that shortly, verse 14, I must put off my tent just like our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. I'm about to die. And before I go, I'm going to make sure that you have a reminder after I'm gone. Uh, how many of us would really be worrying about the faith of people we, some have never met maybe, uh, uh, before we die? Most of us would say, I want to be with my family. I want to talk about our fishing trips. I want us to reminisce over all the memories that we've had, looking at beaches all around America on Memorial Day and all the fun times we had. Not, not Peter. Peter said, I want to make sure my focus is while I'm in prison here and they're about to kill me, I want to make sure that the faith, the baton of faith continues on. Isn't that wonderful? What if... What if tonight God stirred in your heart and mind the, the, the absolute urgency of us passing on the faith to the next generation? If he doesn't, if God doesn't, or if we neglect what he's going to stir, what will happen is your children and my children, your grandchildren and my grandchildren will fall away from the faith. 
So let's dive in, all right, in a time of prayer. Will you bow your head with me for just a moment? This is one of the most important messages you'll ever hear in your whole entire life, all right? And I pray that not just for the people in the room, but for the people who are listening out there and for the people who are here on the podcast later on, maybe even years to come, uh, that God would get a hold of your heart and show you that the most important thing is not teaching your kids how to win a little golden plastic ring, but it is, in fact, to pass on the truths of God's Word and the faith, all right? So, Father, we pray now for help. We need help, God. We need help delivering the message because I'm so inadequate in my own self. Lord, you know me better than anybody knows me. And so would you take now and help me. Help me like you have so many thousands of times before. Help me tonight. Just be an instrument in your hand. Let me be your mouthpiece tonight. God, preach through me. But as you do that, because you're able, preach to me. And may my heart hear and pay attention. And may every heart within the sound of my voice pay attention and reprioritize how we structure our lives, our resources, our time. So, Lord, please speak from heaven. We're listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Interestingly enough, the things that you and I spend our time doing uh, can be quite comical. Uh, what I mean by that is you might see a person doing something, and you'll think to yourself, have you ever done this? you ever thought to yourself, I can't believe they're spending the time and the money doing that hobby that they're doing, jacking that four-wheeler up and going through the mud? Or, or I'm telling you, there's a thousand things that we entertain ourselves with. L- let me say this about me and you. We love to be entertained. We love it, man. If you don't believe it. You watch a concert, you watch a, a SEC football game, you, you go to the stadiums and watch people stand in line and pay top dollar and get rained on, and I'm telling you, you and I love to be entertained. We love it. Um, and we allow entertainment, listen to me, to waste our time and re- our resources, rather, time, tra- talent, and treasure, and keep us from focusing on being a part of building the faith for generations to come. So let's look how Paul did it a little bit differently, all right? Uh, if I was to give you a main idea tonight, it would simply be this. The Word of God awakens and sustains for all time. The Word of God awakens. Now, we're going to tie that back to stirring you up in just a minute. The Word of God awakens and sustains for all time. Now, I need to help you see that there is a direction that Paul, uh, Peter rather is heading He's heading to a place where the major part of this letter, he's dealing with false teachers within the church. He's going to talk about how divisive they are, how persuasive they are, how some of them even deny the Lord Jesus and how a lot of people are going to follow them. Uh, But before he gets there, uh, he's saying, I'm going to remind you that the last bit of time I've got left here on earth, I'm going to spend making sure that the Word of God awakens and sustains even when I'm gone. So I want to share with you, if I could, can you believe there are going to be five tonight? Somebody said, we only had three this morning. You're going to put five on us tonight? Um, I did have someone ask me not too long ago again. They didn't know me. They said, how do you determine how many points are in a message? Well, the text determines that. And so you, don't, you may have two. You may have five. You, know, you never know. So tonight we have five. Number one, in your notes, write this down, all right? Write this down. Number one, this is going to be verse 12, the very first part of verse 12. Write this. Even in difficulty, <clears throat> be attentive to the mission. Even in difficulty, be attentive to the mission. Now, what is Peter's difficulty? Death, but not just death. Listen, it's not that Peter is in a jail saying, well, they're going to hang me and it's going to be quick. And, you know, this is not really good. I don't know if I really want to die. What's going to happen? How's it going to feel when I die? Am I going to suffer? Um, That's not the case for Peter. Y'all tracking with me? Uh, Peter has heard the master say, 
Uh, you, two things. First, he heard him say, you're going to deny me three times. And he said, no, no, no. He, he still hadn't understood who he's talking to. And he said, no, no, I'm not going to do that. And then he learned quickly that what Jesus says <laughs> comes to pass. Now he's told him on the Sea of Galilee that you're going to die. You're going to be crucified for your faith. And he says, this is true, so what about John? <laughs> I know you don't lie, Jesus. So if that's my plight, what's John's plight look like? <laughs> and that comparative living, boy, it will hinder our following of Jesus. But what happens here is he's beginning to say to them in these moments, he's in this, in this prison, and he's awaiting a certain kind of death. Y'all, you understand where I'm going? He, can you imagine sitting in your cell and knowing that what is coming for you is hours of torture where they are going to drive nails through your hands and your feet, just like they did Jesus, and for hours... For hours, you're going to hang agonizingly, in his case, history says, upside down as you slowly asphyxiate by the weight of your own body. Now, can you imagine that? Uh, I, I'm just, for a moment, I'm, can you imagine sitting in your cell knowing that any day that's what, what you're going to wake up to? I, I, some of us in here would be a basket case, wouldn't we? I mean, I know we would because we get all been out of shape when it's going to rain. Huh? We can get sideways, man, with, with the Dow Jones. and I mean, my goodness, we get, I mean, I'm telling you, a uh, hundred years from now, we won't even know what was in retirement if we had retirement. But my goodness, you would think the sun rose and set on, on the economy and the government. And we get sideways. We get, whoa, we get anxious and worried about all. Can you imagine sitting in your cell and, they, and he told you, Jesus told you, soon they're going to hang you and crucify you and it's going to be awful and it's not going to be quick. And it's going to be public, and they're going to crucify you. How many of you would, like me, be a little anxious? Every time the, the door of the cell creaked, huh? You'd be like, oh, 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 here we go, here we go. Do you think you'd be in much prayer? Yeah. What would you be wanting to do? If you got a chance to write a letter, what would that letter be? Probably back home to mom, dad, right? Reminiscing about the memories of life. And I want you to notice the different mind frame that Peter had of the Holy Ghost that he wanted to encourage the believers and continue the faith. Much more important than reminiscing about all the golden years was to make sure that they were reminded that there are false teachers that are rising up and they need to be grounded in the truth. Okay, so number one, even in difficulty, be attentive to the mission. Look in verse number 12 with me. For this reason, I will not be, y'all help me, negligent to remind you. Now, now, what he's saying here, the opposite of negligent is to be attentive. That's why I wrote it out in the positive. Even in difficulty, be attentive. Wouldn't it be easy if you knew you were going to be crucified tomorrow to be negligent, to pray for somebody else, or to write a letter of encouragement to somebody else? Yeah, it'd be easy to neglect that, to not be attentive, to be, here's the word, uh, focused on other things, um, but not Peter. And by the Holy Spirit, he said, I will, I love this, I will not, for this reason, I will not be negligent. I will not let you down. I will not ignore you. I will, I will not, listen, he says, I will be attentive. I will not be negligent. And what is he going to be attentive to do? To remind you always of all these truths of the faith. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remind you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to call you up. I'm not going to beat you down. I'm not going to call you names. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remind you what, what God says. I'm, I'm going to remind you the difference between what God says and what you think or what God says versus what the culture says. He said, I'm going to unequivocally stand flat-footed and say, this is what the Word of God declares. 
And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to neglect that. I don't care how difficult life is. I don't care what's coming for me. On the, on, soon I'm going to be crucified. He said, I'm not, I'm not going to be focused on that. I will not be negligent. Oh, listen, would you say, would you agree with me that we have, all of us in some way, been negligent to remind other believers of the wonderful truths of God's Word? We've gotten along and complained with each other. We've gotten along and worried with each other. We've gotten along and bickered with each other. We've gotten along and fought against each other. We've gotten along and talked about all manner of temporary things. And what we have been negligent on is to remind each other of the great truths of God's Word. You, you know when your friend struggles with something, you ought to have a verse to go along with it? You ought, to have a, you ought to have somewhere in the Scriptures that you can take them and sit down and explain and encourage them with more than just Mama said. You ought to be able to say, here's what God said about the issue, and I want to pray with you about it and encourage you. And You ought to bring some of those from memory. They ought to just come up because you're spending time meditating in the Word. He said, I'm, I will not be negligent. I will be attentive to the mission. I'm afraid that you and I, and, and sometimes in difficulty, I'm afraid sometimes we're not very attentive to the mission. We get a, what I call a, you ever get like this? I, I say that I oftentimes get on my soapbox. Woe is me. You know, oh, this hurts and that hurts and this hurt my feelings and that and this, and we miss out on the mission. So here he is at the end of his life knowing that he's facing crucifixion, and he says, I will not, I love it, I will not neglect you. I will be careful to remind you. So number one, even in difficulty, be attentive to the mission, all right? Number two in your notes, and this is still going to be in verse number 12, but I want you to write this down. <clears throat> we all need constant repetition of truth. Would you write that somewhere? <clears throat> we all need constant repetition of truth. Now, there are times whenever I'll come into the pulpit and you'll hear me say, now, this is a very familiar text. If y'all ever heard me say that, raise your hand if you've ever heard me, heard me say that. And I'm always careful to warn us that the trap is, right, the trap in our mind is, oh, I already, already know this. I already know this. I've already studied it. I had it in Sunday school. I talked with my friends about I've I've heard a sermon a hundred times. And so we have to be careful because we feel like, well, I've already heard this, and so I don't need to hear it again. But what, what, what Peter's about to say is that repetition is critical in the Christian life over and over and over. How many of you would say that, that you have learned that the more you do something, the better you become at it? Uh, repetition. At the same time. At the same time, when you've done something so many times over so long, you also have a tendency to have an injury or make a mistake because you're not paying attention to detail. So listen to what he says, all right? I'm in verse number 12 again. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you. And listen to what he says, remind you always. Every time we talk, I'm going to remind you the truths of his word. Every time we have opportunity to be together, I'm going to remind you what God said. I'm going to try to find a way to encourage you from the Word of God. Every time, always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Listen to what he says. I'm going to remind you, and I want you to notice that he says, even though, look with me in verse 12, even though you already know them and you are already established in in these things, in the present time, right now, you, you've, you're, you're living the present truth. <clears throat> he, he, what he's saying to them, he's saying, I'm not correcting your behavior. You're doing it. You're doing it, man. You're, you're, you're walking with Jesus. You're, you're spending time in the Word. You're praying. You're, you're doing it. You're living the mission. You're serving people and, and witnessing of Jesus and making disciples. You're doing it. But he says, I'm not correcting you, but what I'm doing is reminding you. And I'm going to remind you. Well, listen to what he said. 
every time, always, I'm going to remind you over and over and over and over again. There are certain things that I'm sure that you hear me say, if you come here faithfully, you probably roll your eyes, you know, on the inside. Like, here he goes again. Here he goes again. And there's a purpose to that. There's a reason certain phrases that I say to you all the time is because I want it to sink deep down in your spirit and to understand that making disciples ought to be priority number one in your life. And if you're not, you ought to be so uncomfortable here, you've got to find another church. What did he just say? You ought to hear it so much that you don't develop a callus. You ought to hear it so much that you don't just let it go in one ear and out the other ear. You ought to hear it so much that you have to either do it or move somewhere where they can just tell you think positive and everything will be all right. And so, I'm not, by the way, I didn't tell you to go find another church. I'm just saying, listen, I'm just telling you that's the effect it ought to have. You ought to not be able to just sit there and hear that every single time and just stare at me and amen me and write it in your notepad and then do nothing with it. All right, so uh, that just sort of came up in my spirit there, so I felt like I'd share it with you. We all need constant repetition of truth. Now, let me give you a place in the Scriptures, Colossians chapter 1. Write it in your notes there. Colossians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. So even in difficulty, we need to be attentive to the mission, okay? Don't let the difficulty distract us. Uh, Don't let the difficulty cause us to be self-centered, Peter definitely had reason to be centered on himself. He's about to be crucified, but he said, I'll not neglect you. Even though I know what's waiting on me, I will not neglect you to give you the truth or remind you. So secondly, we said, we all need constant repetition of truth, to be reminded, to be reminded. You know why we need to be reminded? Because we're forgetful. You know why we need to be reminded? Because we're forgetful. Do, do you know that sometimes someone will ask me a question, and uh, I know it surprises you that people ask me questions a lot, but I get questions a lot, and there will be a question about something, uh, you know, a biblical something. And, of course, I've studied something else very intensely all week long. And so it takes me a while to shift gears and begin to, and sometimes I have to go look again for myself, you know, uh, because the Word of God, it has so much in it. Y'all tracking with me? And so I need to be reminded over and over again, teachers and preachers and all of us need to constantly be reminded. Now, remember the context. Why did Peter's audience need to be reminded of the truth? Because there are, somebody's tracking, false teachers that are rising up among them, and they're going to try to convince them of some other gospel, some other truth. And so you have got to be, they're going to knock on your door, and they'll have a little name tag on there, and they'll throw the name Jesus around, and they'll ask to cut your grass for you, you know, do something kind for you, help you touch your groceries. But they do not have the gospel of Jesus Christ. And listen, anything that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel and doctrine of demons. If it takes you away from the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the only hope of man, to know God and be right with God, it is, in fact, the doctrine of demons. And so be careful to be reminded of the truths found right here in the Word of God so that when the false teacher comes to your door, you're ready to say, that's not the truth, this is the truth. And you're able to handle yourself without having to call me. You all with me? Now, I dropped that one in there on you. So you you were kind of looking down, and you say, whoa, what did he say? Because I can't, if, if they come knock on your doors, I can't answer this many phone calls when they're knocking on your door. You need to have a faith informed by the word of God that you can defend it yourself. And so I pray that you will continue growing. Now listen, Colossians 1, 5 and 6, here's what it says. <clears throat> because of the hope, y'all reading with me? Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Doesn't that sound good? Of which you heard before. <clears throat> now where, listen where he's, listen as we're reading. He's about to tell them where they've heard of this hope that's laid up for them in heaven. They heard it before, where? In the Word. 
in the word of the, the truth of the gospel, which has, I love this, come to you. Now, the word is parousio in the Greek. It's a, a root form of the word uh, paraclete, which is to come alongside. Now, that's the name for the Holy Spirit, right? One, one word for the Holy Spirit. So the word of God comes to us comes alongside and changes how we think and how we live. He says, come to you and it, as it has also in all the world. And, and listen, is bringing, y'all help me out. The word of God is what? As it is among you since the day you heard and grew in the grace of God in truth. You see, the word of God is active. Uh, it, it reads us. It empowers us. It nourishes us. It informs us. Uh, and so I pray unto God you and I would have constant repetition. That's why you need to be in the Word of God every single day of your life. Uh, you need to spend time in His Word. Number three. Y'all okay? Everybody all right? All right. Here we go, number three. And by the way, y'all participating well for Sunday night right before Memorial Day. Some of y'all even smiling. And uh, have you learned something already? Been encouraged a little bit about the, uh, hey, who knows what's coming next for me and you. Maybe some difficult days. Probably going to be some difficult times ahead. But, the, but we must stay focused on this mission, and the Word of God will awaken and sustain us. Now, let me read number three, found in verse number 13. Keep in mind, write this in your notes for number three. Keep in mind, we are in a temporary condition. Keep that in the front of your mind. This is temporary. This is temporary. Now, why is it so important for us to keep that in our mind, that this is temporary? Well, here's an application. How about in suffering? How am I going to keep going? How am I going to keep on pressing on if I'm going through something that's very, very difficult? Well, I, I, I do this all the time. I remind myself, man, as hard as today is, it is temporary. No matter how hard the, the situation is, it is. No matter how bad the diagnosis, it is. It's temporary. All of this down here is temporary. Okay, now look in verse number 13 with me. Yes, <clears throat> I think it right as long as I'm in this now, that's what I wanted to just focus on for a moment. He says, uh, I'm only here for a little while. And so he's going to say what next, that he's going to stir them up. That word means to awaken, arouse them. I call it rattle their cage a little bit. Uh, and he said, I think it's right to do that because, well, I'm only here for a little while. This tent's going to go back to the ground, and my soul is going to be set free in the kingdom of heaven. And who's going to be here for you and for the next generation if the word of God is not passed on to the next generation? It's why our children's ministry is so critically important. Not just for the children, but for mom and dad to be trained and, and encouraged and how to uh, help disciple their babies. You realize we only have them for about two hours each week, and if you think that's enough for them, you have missed it. And so I, the point of our children's ministry is not just for the children, but it's for mom and dad. I, I watch every week. And by the way, I have to just say this about Jackie. She's phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. The rest of the team as well, uh, and, and April and Martha and all of them. But, but I'm telling you, Jackie will take and, and she shares all of this information on the Ridge Kids page of how to take what you're learning each time and go a little further with your kids. And here's what I find. There will be about two likes on there. Now, you know what that tells me? Anybody know what it tells me? You get a lot more views than you get likes. And what that tells me is most parents look at that and think, well, that's cute. And they scroll on because they've got other things to do. Teach them how to kick a soccer ball. Get them on that baseball field so they can win a couple of them plastic rings, you know. And they miss out on the, the, the opportunity that God has provided the church to give you biblical instruction to pass on to them because you're not going to be there for them forever. And they're going to need something to sustain them. And culture won't do it. And the government won't do it. But the Word of God will. 
And so it is of critical importance uh, that we raise our children to know the Word of God. And it won't happen if, only, if they only get it a couple of hours here each time we meet, all right? Your main disciple field, matter of fact, is your home, okay? So keep in mind, we are in a temporary condition. We are only going to be here for a little while. What do you want to leave your children? Know how to hunt? You see, we've got this thing where, well, I just want to make sure my kids can make it financially. Really? Because the foundational principles of the word of God in finances is different in the, in the, in the, in the, in the world system of, of finances. And if you've not taught them to give and sow into the kingdom, what the word of God says in Malachi is that he will, the devourer will, will destroy the, the, the fruit and the seed and everything in their life. But if they don't know that, they don't know. And all you told them, or I told them, was to work hard and save their money. And that won't rebuke the devourer. Only giving to the king. So, y'all tracking with me? I'm going to move on. But I hope you're understanding what I'm saying to you. Peter is saying in the last days of his life what is of critical importance is that I've got to tell you what's important. I've got to stay focused on what's important because I'm not going to be here forever. It's temporary, temporary condition. Let me give you another verse on that. Then we're going to move on to number four. Here it is, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 1. Listen to what Paul said about it. I love thinking about this right here. Look with me. For we know, y'all reading with me, that if our earthly house, and he calls it what? This tent is destroyed, and it will be. It will be. If this tent is destroyed, we have a building. Well, I feel a dance in my spirit. Y'all, you feel that? Uh, He says, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, where eternal in the heavens. Uh, A house whose builder and maker is God himself. Don't have to repaint it. Don't have to tear the carpet up. Never have to replace the floors. I'm telling you, it is a home that is forever. It has no end. And I'm thankful that I'm not stuck in this tent forevermore. Uh, John and I have been talking a little bit the last couple weeks about our aches and pains. We've been having them a little more lately. And I, I told him the other night, he was talking about he was hurting. I said, man, I'm laying here hurting. My shoulders are hurting. And I was just reminded, you know what? It's temporary. It's temporary. One day this thing's going to go back to the dirt. But my soul will remain with him forevermore. And what, listen, so that means I ought to be intentional about teaching the word and sharing the word with my family and my friends because I want them to know that which will sustain them when I'm gone. When I'm gone. Okay, I'm trying to move on, y'all. Number four. Number four. And there are only five, so y'all are listening quick. Number four is found in verse number 13 as well. And I want you to write this down. Uh, so far we've said, even at, now I want y'all to go a little review, okay, a little, little, little review. Number one, even in difficulty, help me, be attentive to the mission. Who, what was his difficulty? He's about to face crucifixion, all right? Second, we all need... We need to hear it again and again and again. We need to read it again and again. We need to study it again and again and again, all right? Number three, keep in mind we are temporary condition. We're not going to be here forever. Number four, we need to keep awake in the faith by not forgetting. Keep awake in the faith. Do you know that you can be asleep in the faith and have your eyes open? Yeah. Uh, you can go right to sleep in your relationship with the Lord. Has anybody ever experienced that in your life? And you wake up and have had a train wreck, and you realize that you dozed off at the wheel, you haven't spent time with King Jesus, you haven't let his truths wash over your mind and your life, and because of that, our old way of thinking creeps in, and all of a sudden we're headed in a different direction, we're compromising in things, and we have derailed the train. I'm just talking about my life. I wonder if anybody else has experienced that in the room. It happens so quickly. 
Listen to what he says in verse 13. Yes, I think it is right as long as I'm in this tense temporary to, what's, what's right for me to stir you up by reminding you. So we keep awake by not forgetting. You, you with me? How do, we, how do we go to sleep at the will of our Christian faith, of, of our walk with Jesus? It's when we forget what he's done for us. It's when we forget what the Word of God declares about a situation. It's when we forget about where we were and how hard things were and the wonderful rescuing hand of God that reached down, pulled us out of the pit, and put our feet on a solid rock. It's when we forget how bad we struggled when we ran the show and when we didn't let Jesus run the show. It's when we forget the wonderful benefits of God and all that came with knowing Jesus and how that's transformed our eternity, and we forget that in the temporary fleeting pleasures of sin. Boy, this thing looks so good. I just want to do it one time. Nobody will know what's the harm, no harm, no foul. And oh, my goodness, isn't the enemy good about dangling the right bait in front of us? He studies us. He watches us. He's been doing this for thousands of years. He puts just the right bait. He dangles it in front of us. Wham! And we've forgotten all of what God's Word taught about it. And we compromise. And boy, what destruction it brings into our lives. And so what he's saying to them is, I know I'm only going to be here for a little while. So I'm going to rattle your cage a little bit. Now, when I say rattle your cage, he's not talking about to make them mad. He's talking about if you've dozed off. And you, 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 have you ever been to the zoo or something and the animal in there just kind of looks lazy? And it's over there just kind of asleep or what have you. And somebody will take and shake or tap on the glass. You all know what I'm talking about? Uh, that's, that's the picture here. He, he's saying that some of us have just sort of dozed off on, on the faith. And he says, you cannot afford because false teachers are on their way. They're already there, and they're going to teach against the truth. And you've got to stay awake. You've got you to have your cage rattled every once in a while. So you stay alert, and you're listening for that which does not line up with the Word of God. And you kick it out. You reject it. You don't entertain it. You don't even consider it because you know it's not true. And it is, in fact, harmful. So he says, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, listen, verse 13, yes, I think it is right as long as I'm in this tent to stir you up by reminding you. So we need to keep awake in the faith by not forgetting. Now, there's a place in the Scripture that says, forget not the benefits of the Lord. You, you remember a lot of the Old Testament dealt with God forming a people, remember? God <clears throat> sending a people into Egypt who then became, began to be in bondage. And then God uh, helping them exit out of Egypt. Y'all remember as we went through Exodus together this year, I believe it was, maybe end of last year. And they exited out of bondage. But there was something that you can find God saying to his people over and over and over again. And it was, don't forget. Another term, remember. He said, when you get to that land flowing with milk and honey and the grapes are, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, and the grapes were huge and the grapes are huge and the milk is flowing and the honey is there and everything is wonderful, don't forget me. Don't forget me. We have a tendency to forget easier in the blessing of the easiness of life than we do in times of desperation. Listen to me. Watch this. It's why we need desperate times. Let me say that to you again. When everything is good, all the bills are paid, and everybody's well, and everything's, we have a tendency in that land of plenty to forget about where we were, how important and critical it is to stay constantly in prayer. And so God knows us well enough to know that in those moments we need some difficulty to cause us to draw near to Him. Oh, I'm so thankful. 
that my loving daddy knows what I need and when I need it. Anybody else in the room that way? Amen. I'm so glad he does. We need to keep awake in the faith by not forgetting number five. Finally, number five. Look with me, if you will, in verse number 15. Are you there? Verse number 15. Moreover, and I want you to write this down, we must pass the baton of faith. We have to pass the baton. If you're not teaching your children, if you're not teaching other people, if you're not discipling somebody, uh, when we all die, that's the end of it. And uh, what a sad thing it would be that you and I are not preparing the next person behind us to take the baton of faith and run with it. Now, I'm going to read this, and I want you to think about something for just a moment. He says, moreover, y'all with me? And Well, let me read verse 14 because I don't want to miss that. Uh, knowing shortly, he says, I'm going to stir you up. I'm going to rattle your cage by reminding you constantly because I know that shortly I must put off my tent. What's he saying? I'm going to die just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. That sounds a little different than what about John, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound different to you? I, I was reading back over that this afternoon, and I thought, man, that's such a different guy. Like the guy at the Sea of Galilee was like, whoa, 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 hang, hang on now. Cru- crucified? Wait, what about John? But this guy, some, some 40 years later, matured in his faith. He says, hey, I'm, I'm about to be crucified, and my time's close. And I want to make sure that you have what you need to continue on in the faith. Does that sound like two different guys to you? I mean, it's two total different mindsets. The same guy, but a mature believer who's walked with Jesus for a lot of years and has watched Jesus prove himself over and over and over again through mountaintops and valleys. Let me read verse 15. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always, listen, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after, y'all help me, my decease. You know that word literally is departure. I love it. It's like, it's like, it's like what, they, what they say about when you go to another country, it'll say port of departure. And it's leaving one destination, headed to another one. Boy, boy one of these days, I'm going to get to depart from this mess down here. And I've got, a, I've got a, desta, a house whose builder and maker is God, and I can't wait to get there. I cannot wait to get there. But until I do, I want to make sure that you have what you need in case I go before you from the Word of God and how to keep on, keep it on, and take the baton and run with it and pass the baton to the next generation and to the next generation so that the faith continues. I don't know about you guys, but a lot of my life passed by before I ever even considered who passed the baton to me. And I'm not talking about a specific individual. I'm talking about a group of individuals. I remember being on a mission trip in Denver, Colorado several years ago. I had the wonderful opportunity of preaching the gospel on Keystone Mountain, some 14,000 feet above sea level. It was wonderful. 85 people there from all over the world and preaching outdoors to the most beautiful stained glass windows you ever saw, that blue sky and those white clouds. And as we were there... We were, I heard a man by the name of Jason Seaver, and here's what he said. He was, he was preaching to a group. Uh, we served pizza to some of the, uh, the, the, the people. That, they weren't locals. They were from other countries that came to serve in the ski resorts. And so one of the ministries that we did is that we would meet them and serve pizza and, sh- and share the gospel and preach. And one of the things he said, he said he had visited the Colosseum, and he had seen some of the places uh, that those uh, believers had been caged and if you if you read history, you'll find out that what that the Caesars would do is they would have the 
Uh, the believers oftentimes in cages like criminals, they bring them out one at a time. Sometimes it would be mothers holding newborn babies. And, and their, their husbands might be with them, may not be with them, maybe a group of men. And what they would do is they would have the lion in a cage out in the arena. And over on one side of the, of the Colosseum, uh, Nero would be there uh, or whoever the Caesar was. And if they would come over and bow before the Caesar and simply say, Caesar is Lord. All they had to do was mouth those words. Then the lion would stay in the cage and that person would be free to go. But what happened was Christian after Christian, follower of Christ after follower of Christ, would not deny Christ. And the lion would come out and eat the child and the mother. And, the, and some of you all are like, my goodness gracious alive, that's the most horrible thing I've ever heard. That's who passed the baton to you. That's the brothers and sisters of the faith who would not compromise and now pass the baton to me and you and think about what we've done with it. Think about what we've done with it. You think because you're in the eighth grade or ninth grade, tenth grade, you, it's not, you're not responsible for the gospel, but he's handed the baton to you. What have you done with it? He's handed it to you. They've handed it to you. Those, those bloodied bodies of our brothers and sisters in the past who continued the faith have now passed it and put it in our hands. And we have to ask ourselves, don't we? What have we done with it? And, I, and I'm thinking about Paul, and he's, fix, he's facing a crucifixion. And he said, I'm taking careful inventory to make sure you have what you need when I'm gone so that you can take the baton and run the race to win. Now, you think about that scene in the Colosseum and how terrible a scene that was, but here's what the part of the story you don't hear much about is that oftentimes thousands of people in the crowd would come to faith in Jesus Christ. Thousands. In a Roman Colosseum. Why? Because they saw faith on display as they would sing hymns before their de departure. You say, that wasn't a departure. Yeah, it was a departure. And what we learned this morning is that not only was it a departure, but Jesus was right there with them, and he sustained them and gave them grace to the other side, and then ushered them to the building whose builder and maker was God himself, and they'll never taste suffering ever again. So we consider tonight uh, what it is that you and I will do, the reality of following Jesus all the way to the finish line. When is your departure? You don't know. I don't know. Will it be quick or will there be suffering involved? We don't know. But what we do know is that the Word of God awakens and sustains for all time. And if you and I will stay focused on the mission, spending time in the Word, being reminded over and over and over God's precious promises and truths, passing them on to the next generation, to our loved ones, families, and friends, so that when we are gone, they have what they need to defend themselves against the false teachers and all the cultures of the world, and they're solid in the faith. I can think of no higher calling. Matter of fact, I can think of no more honorable, noble way to live your life than to say, this is what I'm called to do, all of us. And can you imagine in a group this size? And by the way, it's a good-looking group. Are you kidding me? The Sunday night before morning, look at how many of you cats got up. And, you, and the most of you got a nap. I mean, it would have been easy to stay there. But you came on. Can you imagine if, if just this group, and this is maybe a third of us, you know, maybe. Imagine just if this group said, you know what, that's it. Like difficulty is not an excuse to not live the mission in spite of difficulty, he's facing crucifixion. This is a, listen, and the Word of God says he's not Superman, he's Peter. 
Now, what made him different? The Holy Spirit. If you're born again, you have him too. And you can do great things as well. So tonight, I want to just invite you, if you would, to meditate on that with me as we bow our heads together. Will you do that? I know I'm surprised like you are. I feel like we ought to just go a couple more rounds. Um, but tonight, I want us to just sort of pause for a moment, if you will, and consider what it is that we've heard. I'm going to do something a little different. I feel compelled to do this tonight. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to read back through that passage again. I'm just going to read it. I just feel compelled. I don't know why. I just feel compelled to the Spirit to read through it. So if you would just bow your head and close your eyes and listen attentively. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. Though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it right, as long as I'm in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you. Knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my departure. I want to just say the altar's open. As the Spirit of God moves, I'm going to say the altar's open. You come as the Holy Ghost leads you. If you're making their way to the altar just now, just come spend a little time praying for the next generation, praying for those brothers and sisters that have not yet come to faith but will. Pray that we would be a church whose ministry the sun does not set on, that we would be founded in the Word of God, that the centrality of our mission would be to teach, preach, and equip through the living Word of God. Matter of fact, I want to invite you to stand up with me. Will you do that with your heads bowed and eyes closed? I think there are people still wanting to kind of move around. That's all right. Come on down. There's plenty of room at the altar tonight. Just you and the king. Just meet with him. Talk to him. Listen for him. The baton has been passed. What are we going to do with it? Maybe somebody tonight just needs to come spend a little time with King Jesus saying, Lord, I've let temporary pleasures distract me from what is the mission. Maybe it is that difficulty, a diagnosis, some hardship you're going through has caused you to shrink back a little bit from reminding yourself over and over in the Word and reminding others around you through the Word. You know what I'm praying for me and you? That we would be so saturated in the Word of God that when you and I have things that we're going through, we'd always have a verse to go along with it. We'd always have encouragement from the Word of God. That it'd be natural to us because we spend time with Him. If you're here tonight, you've never given your life to King Jesus, then I want to encourage you, it's not too late. No matter where you've been or what you've done, Jesus tonight stands ready, willing, and able to save you, to forgive your sins, to cleanse you as white as snow, to give you hope and purpose. His death and resurrection provide that, but you'll have to receive Him. Matter of fact, you'll have to turn away from living your way, and you'll have to turn unto Him, calling on Jesus as Savior and Lord. If you're here tonight and you've drifted from him, wouldn't it be a great time to draw back near? If you're here tonight, your life has never really been centered on the Word of God. Wouldn't it be great if God did that for you tonight? And for the rest of your days, however much time you have left, it'd be centered and anchored to the Word of God. 
Johnny and Beverly are coming down front to help me at the altar. If you have something you need us to pray for, we'd love to have the opportunity to do that. If you've made Jesus Lord of your life, I encourage you to come and let's share and encourage one another. I'd like to celebrate with you. Maybe God's calling you to join this gathering of believers. If that's you, then you come. If the Holy Spirit's leading you that way, we want to welcome you with open arms. So, Father, I pray your Holy Spirit would move. Move in our hearts, move in our minds. Lord, I pray that you're stirring right now in such a way that we are people of your word. That, God, we would never get complacent. That we'd never make excuses. But, God, that we would fall in love with your word. That, Father, transform how we live and how we love. That we wouldn't use the word as a hammer to crush people, but instead an encouragement to lift people up. Help us, Lord. We're a needy people. In Jesus' name.